The Free For All Roundtable. Round two. On round two today, Pamela Palmater is here, lawyer, professor, and activist. Tim Hudak, former leader of the Ontario Conservatives, now at the Ontario Real Estate Association. Traffic specialist, Adjua Nsia Yabois, completes the panel. And actually, Pamela, I want to circle back to you for a second, because I've uh, spent a lot of time today just enjoying the spectacle yesterday of Wab Canoe being sworn in and revealing his cabinet. And I thought, you know, I, I don't know if it necessarily amounts to a step toward reconciliation, but when the province of Ontario has um, First Nations Premier and Cabinet Ministers and um, a, a great deal of Indigenous culture as part of his swearing in. I thought it was great. It's incredible. In fact, for me, I still can't believe it. It's so weird sitting in a restaurant, eating breakfast, looking up and seeing Wab Canoe as Premier of Manitoba. It has taken 500 years to get here and it's for for first nations people all across the country it is just something to to celebrate we were happy when we saw you know an mp get elected or a senator appointed but to have a premier of manitoba which is kind of like the center of the conflict this is it's just amazing well and also without dwelling on it it's also funny that it's wab canoe i mean i've known him for about 10 years he's only 42 years old he's got this outward personality so i think it's going to be a great ride Oh, I love it. And he used to be a rapper and yeah. sing all these songs about our native heroes and stuff. Like, we knew about Wab Canoe from a long time ago. And you think he went from rapper to CBC media personality to a very young premier. But it also goes to show the fundamental change in Manitoba. So thankful to Manitobans that they kicked out people who were just full of hate and discrimination and voted in someone that maybe can turn things around in Manitoba. There is a real estate agent in Vaughan who's in a pack of trouble after a uh, controversial meme that he put on the web about the situation in the Middle East. Uh, you, you don't have to recuse on this, do you, Tim Hudak, because of where you, uh, where you are? No, I think it was idiotic. Like, I, I cannot believe that uh, a, a member who wants to be a professional would, would have the judgment to make that, that kind of post. You, you know, we actually, at the Ontario Real Estate Association, John, fought for a stronger code of, cut, of conduct for our members to raise the bar on professionalism, to have penalties, sanctions, whether being, you know, kicked out of the profession, suspended, fined uh, for behavior that is what's called conduct unbecoming. So I'm pleased to see these tools now are being used. So Remax, to the credit, acted quickly, suspended this individual. And now the Toronto Regional Real Estate Board and RICO, they're the regulator, the judge, if you will, for real estate agents, uh, are looking at this matter, and hopefully they will crack down and send a strong message. In Adjua, the somewhat snide meme was a picture of uh, some of the wreckage in Gaza and then a fake real estate listing saying, you know, that there's no electricity and no water. And I guess he thought that was hilarious. Not hilarious when uh, people are being decimated in Gaza and there are innocent civilians there. That's, it's not a joke. There's a war going on. It's it's not okay to make light of something happen happening somewhere where you're not and you're in the safety of your own home, but you think it's funny. It it's I'm happy the real estate board has suspended him, but I do think more action needs to be taken. People shouldn't be able to just say these things and just get a slap on the wrist. Lives are being lost. And it's not anything to joke about. Pamela, some people are calling for him to be stripped of his license. I just figure let the market decide. And probably an awful lot of people would not want to hire him now. 
Yeah, you know, that that's a tricky one, whether or not you kind of let the market decide, because, you know, there's going to be segments of society that are just as, you know, some are like very hardcore racist and hateful, and some are as irresponsible and inconsiderate as he was. Um, so the ones, the good guys who are not going to him doesn't mean that he still won't have a, a following like any anyone so I, I don't think we should leave it up to people i think it's a professional association um like tim said i'm i'm a member of the a law society and i'm telling you uh I, it would be hard pressed for me if i made a comment like that and tied it specifically to the work i do in terms of law like he tied it to real estate um he, he just uh, i don't think he should be practicing Let's turn to a lighter issue, and that would be the heartbreaking sight of 10,000 seats from the Rogers Center in a dump. Adjua, you know, everyone is saying you could have sold those. People would have bought them as souvenirs. You could have made money off of those things. Um, the Blue Jays say that they were damaged in removing them and they weren't suitable, but it just seems like such an incredible waste. A massive waste and, and people love to collect things and have nostalgia pieces and and people want to be affiliated with something that was part of their history, especially Torontonians. So for them to just dump them and not even ask if anybody wanted them, I'm sure they'd be gone in a second, all of those seats. But just to put them in a dump and not consider that and the waste and all of that, it just, it doesn't make sense to me. Very wasteful. Yeah, Tim Hudak, it seems that people associated with our professional sports scene always have a misstep here or there. And for a lot of Torontonians, for a lot of Ontarians, I guess, it's very vexing to see something they might have bought in a dump. It, for, for sure. It, I mean, Adjo pointed out the, the loss of revenue. It's also a, a loss to really make a nice connection with your fans. Um, I had seasons tickets to the Buffalo Bills for a number of years, years of greatness, but then eventually heartbreak in the Super Bowl as they're in that era. Uh, the chance to buy a seat, yeah, maybe that would have found its way into my rec room under renovations. I, I, it's kind of fun, John. I actually have two chairs in the Ontario legislature. When you retire, you have a chance to buy your chair back, so that's treasured for me. I think a lot of fans would have loved to have this, and if they're damaged, man, and there's a whole bunch of hobbyists that would fix them up pretty quick. Okay, so does that mean every time somebody retires, they can buy their chair and then the legislature has to buy a new one? Yeah, you do replacement value. Okay. Yeah, you got to pay for the full chair for the replacement. But, John, after 21 years of service, it uh, was a wonderful experience. That's, that's something I had to charge for a lifetime as well, worth the price and the memories. Can I go, uh, channel Gordon Sinclair and ask you what it cost? I can't remember. Over a thousand bucks, I think, for the second one. The first one was uh, was in like '99, so it was probably I'm gonna guess half that. That was a beat up old blue one. It's in the '80s room in the basement. The green one, place of honor in my office. Okay. Uh, so back to the ones from the Rogers Center, Pamela Palmater. Would you have bought one? I don't know how much of a sports fan or concert fan you are. Um, I probably wouldn't have bought one because I'm I'm trying to actually pare down. But in a world that is having problems with garbage dumps and shipping waste to other countries, and what do we do about recycling and the environment? You, they could have at least given it a shot, saying, "Hey, there's these seats here. They're in a range of conditions, and we're selling them for a very tiny price, or for the ones that are totally damaged, giving them away." I mean, there are a billion people on YouTube who are into sports and sports memorabilia and rehab 
channels who are showing here's how you make it from this into this or make it into an office chair or something cool on your deck uh, it's just horribly wasteful and really inconsiderate about our environmental issues in the previous half hour we talked with the education minister he had a fairly measured if not stern tone but it also seems that this government isn't going to open with hostilities when it comes to dealing with teachers but Ajua, you know it does look like it's going to be a bit of a rough ride and the teachers, elementary school teachers, have voted to authorize a strike. They're not going on strike yet, but they're in a strike posture. I think they're, they are in a strike posture, but I do think the negotiations will probably go the way of um, the secondary schools. Just because of what's happening within the Conservative government and the Green Belt and all of that stuff, I think they would just want this to sort of go away. And I think what is the secondary school board and as well as the Catholic school board that we have to wait and see what they're going to do. So I honestly think it's going to go away. I think the negotiations are still happening. But for students, it's, it's, it's scary and for parents as well, because they do want their kids to be in school. But I also understand teachers also need a little bit more funding in terms of whether it is mental health funding, whether it is um, assistance in classrooms. These are all things that need to be upped. And it's it's a tricky situation, but I do think it'll get resolved, hopefully, fingers crossed. Yeah, I, that's kind of my analysis as well. Do you agree, Pamela? Yeah, I do. I mean, Teachers, just in generally, all the different teachers' unions seem to be pretty reasonable about this. They don't want to be out of school either, any more than the parents or kids do. But, I mean, they've, they've been working now for, what is it, like, it's at least a year, a year or more two than months. a year? Yeah. yeah, yeah, without a contract. And so, you know, th there's got to be some reasonableness to this whole thing. And, I mean, w if the government wants to go straight to binding arbitration without really giving negotiation a chance, that that's not really good faith. I say Come to the table, try your best, because then there's other alternatives. Okay, well, Tim, you've sat in cabinet. I'm trying, forgive me, but I'm trying to remember if you were an education minister at any juncture, but what are your hopes here? No, I was an education minister, but certainly at the cabinet table, these types of negotiations were, were happening. Look, I, I'm on the opposite of, of Pamela on this. I think that the teachers' unions are among the most selfish, uh, demanding uh, unions that you ever negotiate with, and I think the elementary school teachers uh, are among the worst. Look, the secondary school teachers, the high school teachers, agree to what's a very fair process in the eyes of taxpayers. They're going to negotiate, and what they can't negotiate or mediate, then we'll go to binding arbitration. That's the way that things happen with nurses, for example, transit workers, all emergency services. So it's good enough for them, good enough for the nurses, and good enough for the high school teachers. Why not the elementary? I, I think they're misplaying this, John. I think they're boxing themselves into a corner. They should accept the deal that the secondary school teachers did, arbitrate any else any differences, but keep the kids in the classroom after all they've gone through, for goodness sake. Yeah, it does seem like the uh, province is parroting the uh, auto sector and engaging in pattern negotiation, but we'll see if they can match that pattern with the elementary school teachers. Uh, Cam Guthrie is going to be joining us, Mayor of Guelph, after the news at 9 to talk about what they call tiny homes for the unhoused. And effectively, you set up these communities with small steel huts, then you set up a central kitchen and a central bathroom. And, you know, there's one woman in uh, one community that uh, one of our previous pundits visited the other day who calls herself the mayor of Tiny Town, and she plans to live there for 25 years. So, Pamela, does that seem like a good solution? Well, it's always hard to know. For me, I'm like, there's got to be more to this 
particular story, to this particular situation, because at the end of the day, I mean, we're living in times where everybody has to be reasonable. Everybody has to make some kind of sacrifices. And I'm, I've always been for, you know, let's just come to the table and work these things out. Surely that can happen. I'm hoping that's the case here. Tim Hudak, it seems like an elegant solution, these tiny huts. It seems like a dignified solution, but I think long term, it's still a bad idea. It is a, a, a solution in the short term. It's certainly not a 25-year, even five-year uh, solution. Well, I mean, good for Mayor Guthrie. I think he's one of the, the leading lights in mayoral ranks. He's always thinking of new ideas. I've seen this actually happening also in, in Peterborough in our province currently. You know, smaller cities that are not accustomed to having the homeless issue, that homelessness issue that is suddenly uh, emerged and seems to be accelerating. Look, modular homes actually have a lot of opportunity for low-cost housing for first-time buyers. I mean, they're environmentally friendly. They, they tend to be 25% plus cheaper and, and a lot faster. So really across the spectrum, there's a lot of opportunity here. If they're out in the streets in tents, this is a solution for the short term. But I think it's actually a, a solution like tiny homes, broadly, permanently for residents. You help the homeless get them off the streets into these homes permanently, but you don't make it a permanent homeless establishment. Thanks to you all. A lively discussion. Tim Hudak, Adua in C.A. Yabois, and Pamela Palmiter. Catch the Roundtable, round one at 7.45, round two at 8.45. Weekday mornings on More in the Morning. News Talk 1010 Toronto.